0: You are about to enter the Cyber PD Podcast. Cyber school pedagogy lives here. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Cyber PD Podcast. Co-hosting this week are me, Agora Middle School PD coach, John Thomas, and Agora Elementary School PD coach, Kelly Quackenbush. Kelly Why don't you tell our loyal listeners about today's episode? I would
1: love to, John. Today, we are actually going to begin a three-part series on co-teaching in the cyber classroom. In this episode, episode number one, we are going to cover co-teaching in the elementary classroom. In the next episode, we are going to cover co-teaching in the middle school classroom, And following that, we're handing it off to Katie and Steve, and they will be back in the hosting chairs to cover co-teaching in the high school classroom. So beginning with co-teaching in the elementary school classroom, joining us today are co-teachers from Agora Elementary School, Robin Hartman and Gina Mallon. Robin and Gina, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having
0: us. Thanks for being here. We can't do this show without having awesome guests like you. So we really appreciate you coming here. Just to give the audience an idea of of who we're talking to here, could you let us know how long you two have been co-teaching together?
2: Teaching, co-teaching together for almost four years, I think going on five years. So we've been together for a really long time.
0: All right, yeah, f- five years, especially in our environments, a very long time. So um, and, and what subject is it that you teach? We co-teach ELA. ELA and your job titles which one of you is general ed and general ed and special ed is that yes i'm
3: i'm the special education teacher and robin is the general education
0: teacher okay so gina's special ed and robin is general ed outstanding thanks
1: is this the first time that you two have co-taught with someone or you have you had formal former co-teaching relationships in the past that maybe Uh, maybe we don't want to bring up, but maybe they were good. (laughs) Um, I have
3: co-taught since I got to Agora eight years ago. So um, I have had, I guess, three other co-teachers. I suppose what, last year we were teaching math and ELA. So I had a math co-teacher and and Robin. And before that, I I was with uh, two other teachers as well.
2: Yeah, I've had a lot of co-teachers as well. In the brick and mortar setting, I was a co-teacher. Um, And in, in addition to that, I had a co-teacher almost the last, I guess, six years, I would say six, seven years I've been at Agora. I've had um, math and an ELA co-teacher at some point in time.
0: So this year, are you two just co-teaching with each other or do you have multiple partners again this year?
2: Yeah, this is the first year Gina and I are strictly together in the past. um, Gina has split her time between math and reading, but this is the first year that we are um, lucky enough to have each other all day, every day um, for all of our English language arts classes. And it couldn't be more perfect. So your relationship has stood
1: the test of time.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even when she has computer troubles, I don't yell at her.
0: (laughs) You say that like it just happened or today. It it just happened. All right. Um, so if you could think back way, way back to five years ago, which is a lifetime ago in in cyber teaching uh, to when you first started working together, how did you two break the ice with one another?
3: Well, that's kind of interesting because Robin was my mentor when I came to Agora. So uh, we already knew each other. And um, I guess there was a, a year or so that Robin had left Agora to have her children and then came back. And so but even all through that, we were together at professional development and all kinds of, you know, elementary meetings. So we knew each other pretty well. So I, I think it was, you know, we were both very happy when we got the news we would be co-teaching.
2: Yeah, I think it was really um it was really important on my end because I do like to have control of things. So being a co-teacher in the past before Gina, I had some some teachers that were okay just kind of being assistant-like, with me kind of being the I guess the lead teacher. And then I had some that really liked that role as well. So working with Gina, it was it was nice that she was willing to speak up and offer her opinions and really you know want to share in that equal partnership and she she would you know easily tell me that you know i'll start this class or i'll lead this one or you can do this one so the fact that she had um a little bit of leadership and kind of stepping back in her teaching style i think that really did
1: break the ice for us and and that's a perfect lead-in to our next question which is teaching like any art form can be a very personal endeavor, and, like you mentioned, Robin, a lot of teachers like to have control of their classrooms they they like to do it their way, so how do you how did you move from the my classroom mindset to the our classroom mindset, and what advice could you provide? other teachers that are just beginning this endeavor um i think
2: it's really important because i am kind of a a personality that i like to control and lead things and i thought think on my end i really i really had to let my ego go i had to be willing you know this was something that someone thought i would be good at co-teaching so i really had to let the ego go and know that even though i have good ideas gina might have some great ideas that are better than mine that will work better And so I I think that going in there just with that respect of she is my colleague, she's my partner, and, you know, she has great ideas and and ideas in a different kind of aspect. She's a special education teacher, so she has some really great ideas that I might not consider in my gen ed brain that work for many of the kids and sometimes all of the kids. So I, I think getting rid of that ego And just kind of being able to respect your partner and listen to their ideas and and know, you know, yeah, I might be a great teacher, but sometimes a great teacher needs to listen to other great teachers. I think that was really kind of what helped us. Um, And we got to know each other, too. It wasn't just about the teaching. It was about me getting to know who Gina is as a person. And I think that was important, too.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I agree with Robin in that. you know, and, and I'm a different kind of personality. I We kind of compliment each other, which is kind of nice. And it's worked out very well in that, you know, uh, Robin is a, a quick thinker. She's very calm. I'm the person who's the emotional one and gets hyper really quick. And so we ca- compliment each other in that, in that regard. But, you know, and I had to get over some, you know, initial, I don't know if you would call it shyness or intimidation so that I didn't feel that, you know i was always feeling like i was pushing my ideas on someone and that was with you know many of the co-teachers that i had um but you know eventually i felt comfortable doing that and jumping in in a class and and talking you know and saying well, you know, I want to add to that or something like that. So that we've gotten uh, very comfortable with that because that was very hard in the beginning because you were always taught not to interrupt. And, you know, here you were interrupting a co-teacher and what they were saying or, or trying, you know, in, in our environment, interrupting because you think someone's dumb talking and they're really kind of not maybe. Um, so you, uh, you felt like you were interrupting. So, so you kind of have to get over that a little bit and, and know that we each have uh, a job to do and we're there for the students.
0: All right, so there are three main aspects of of co-teaching. There's co-planning, co-instruction, and co-assessment. Basically, almost every big thing that a teacher does, just put a co in front of it, and that's what a co-teacher does. So since that starts with co-planning, could you describe for us what you do for your co-planning process?
2: Well, I'm gonna shout out my ELA team as a whole because um, I feel like the entire fifth grade ELA team—we've been together for several years, and we all complement each other. So we we co-plan together as a team together quite often, and we are constantly reflecting on what works and what doesn't work. And so, to piggyback off of that great planning. Gina and I together can then really kind of just look at every resource that we've been provided or even if we've created it and say, all right, this is a great lesson. How will this work for our kids? So Gina and I, over the years, it's almost become so fluid for us. Um, I think it was very intentional. We had to meet specific times when we first started co-teaching together, but it's become so easy for us now that we can um, look at lessons very quickly and easily and say, how do you think this is gonna pan out for our kids? What should we do here? Should we parallel teach? We kind of get, get our, give ourselves time to really just kind of analyze the lesson and how it applies to our students. And the same thing with assessments. You know, Gina is great at modifying. She's great at looking at how to design lessons. That are going to benefit our students who have needs, and so we kind of we kind of just look at everything, and sometimes we plan as we go. Um, Gina and I are really good at the first. If you come to see our class, it might be different every single time because we've noticed something that didn't work in the first class, and we immediately adjust for the second. Or if we know one class is a little bit better with breakout rooms or small group work, we know that we can change things up a little bit for them because they can handle more. So. I feel like we're very good at just kind of planning ahead of time and then the off
1: the cuff stuff as well. I love love that you do the planning, but you also do the adapt and adjust as you go, because that's what teaching is all about. You lay down a plan. Sometimes you have to adapt and adjust. And you explain very clearly how different, how you determine your co-instructional strategies. So what co-instructional strategies have you found to be the most effective with co-teaching and considering our virtual environment?
3: I don't even, and I don't know, Robin, maybe you have a different answer for this, but I, I don't know if there's any one right way uh, that we do it. I, I think we're very comfortable in parallel teaching, team teaching, um, breaking out small groups. I, I You know, we just... We just take it, we might have one thing planned, as Robin said, and, and we're, okay, we're gonna do two parallel groups th- today, And but that's not working. Or are we doing a whole group activity and we were gonna do individual breakout rooms, but that's not working. So I don't know if there's any one particular way, I know there's all these different kinds of co-teaching models, but um, I don't know if there's any one particular one that we really see work all the time we adjust constantly so i think we're using all of those different models all the time
0: and i'm willing to bet you probably use more than one model in each lesson like it's not like today i'm going to be parallel teaching tomorrow i'm going to be station teaching it's like i'm going to start the class parallel teaching, then maybe we'll throw in a little bit of stations for some spice and then we'll end with some team teaching. And um, so, so yeah, I, I love that c- because it does, it depends on what topic you're teaching, what students you're teaching. A, a lot of that does matter. So, so I, I, I like that answer. Um, so you mentioned that, that you do sometimes do you use different grouping for your students. How do you determine those those groups? How do you divide them up? Do you, Gina? Do you always take the special ed students and Robin? You take the general ed, or do you split it up some other way? How do you determine that the way you you divide?
3: Um, I I I would say in the past with other co teachers, yeah, that was kind of the way they wanted to do it. I always got with. Uh, I always went with the, the lower students or the, the special ed students. And, and really, that's really not co-teaching. That's being a special ed teacher. We, um, we mix it up. Uh, we do. We mix up our groups. We don't always have that uh, homogeneous group that where you know, they're all a, at one level. We all sometimes mix it up where we have some of the higher students and the students that are understanding so that they can help out. In the, in the group with the, with the students who aren't understanding. So we use a lot of peer uh, modeling as well. Um, so, uh, you know, so no, we, we definitely mix it up. We are not molded into one role.
2: Yeah, and to piggyback off what Gina said, um, a lot of times we'll use the data from the day before. If we're using, we're working on a specific standard, we'll use the data from the day before to see how we need to break up the groups for the next day. We kind of write ourselves a little notes so we know where um, students go. And a lot of times too, with our, with our students who are a little bit more advanced, if we are doing small groups with parallel teaching, we'll make a third group of some more advanced students who we think independently can challenge themselves without that teacher present. And that works out really well too, because when we all come back to the main group, we have three fresh ideas on maybe one topic, but we're getting a, a different perspective, perspective from each group. So
1: works out nice. I love that. I love the flexibility that you to have in in the fluidness to your lessons. And so once you're done teaching and you've taught a lesson, the favorite, every teacher's favorite part is assessing and grading. Said no teacher ever because nobody wants to spend their time grading papers. Uh, But how do you split those types of tasks up? Are you both involved in that? Do you separate out the students? How do you handle those things?
3: Well, I think. Um. One of the things is that, um, you know, we both have our specific jobs, even though we're co-teachers. I am a special education teacher and I have responsibilities as far as compliance and IEPs and things of that nature, which take up a lot of time. And Robin, you know, is the expert in her field as well, as far as our curriculum and, um, you know, using some of the programs as far as grading, which I'm not very good at. Um, But, you know, so we do, we co-assess in the sense that, um, we look at the assessments together. We look at the questions. We look at our, our unit assessments together. Are the questions appropriate? What do we need to modify for students? And we do this as an ELA team as well. Um, so some of that is done in our team meetings uh, for those larger, more important uh, assessments. But the other thing is that when, we're, we, when we give an assessment in class, whether it be an exit ticket or the unit assessment, we do it together. I monitor in whatever program we're using, Illuminate, Sapphire, Seesaw, whatever we're using, I monitor the students as much as Robin does to make sure everybody's working, make sure everything's going through smoothly. Um, in Sapphire, I know that I can, <laughs> now that I, I know now that I can just push a button and and things get graded. And there might be something that Robin needs to go in. She'll go in and, and if there's a short answer question, she does go in and grade those. Um, I sometimes will go take peeks at those you know, just to know what students are doing. and, and But uh, most of the time, that'll be something that she does. Um, writing assignments, last big writing unit that we had in the fall, um, I did one section, Robin did two sections as far as grading the writing. So I helped her out in that way because I, I could. Um, last year, it was hard to do that since I had math and ELA responsibilities. So it was very difficult to do that. I don't really, we talk about report cards, but I don't really go in and, and do report cards or grades in that respect either um, because I'm doing progress reports and progress monitoring on my end. So we each have our understandings of what it is, Our, our what, what are my job duties other than being a co-teacher and what are her job duties other than being a co-teacher. So in that respect, uh, again, we respect each other's territories in that way. Um, and Robin is, is very, uh, understanding of that and, and very cognizant of the fact that, um, that it is, uh, you know, she knows what I have to do in order to write an IEP, that it's not something I can just, you know, kick out in 45 minutes. And that it's sometimes it takes a long time to do that and hold a meeting and, and do all those things. So um, she's v- very sensitive to that. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, so I think that's uh that's where we are. I don't know, Robin, if you wanted to add anything to that.
2: I think that's good. Yeah. She does a lot more assessing than she thinks she does. I think she's giving herself very little credit. But even when we do assess, even if I'm the one who is grading all the open-endeds, we're constantly talking about it. I'll say, you know, Johnny didn't do very well on that. It looks like we need to do this. So maybe she didn't see the actual thing, but she knows who's doing well and who's not doing well. So we do have that conversation. And we do have a data tracker that we follow. So, whenever we have any kind of anecdotal notes or anything like that, we have them in there shared. So,
0: sounds like you do do work together quite a bit for for the grading piece of the assessment. And there's also the assessing that happens in the classroom, the formative assessment that happens during class when class is going on. So, thinking of that, like let's imagine you're your parallel teaching. So, Robin, you have one group of kids, Gina, you have another group of kids, and Gina, your kids are getting it, and Robin, your kids just aren't. Like, how do you communicate that to each other, like, during the lesson so that you kind of end at the same place?
2: Um, I, would, I would venture to guess Gina and I might have one of the longest-running Teams messaging um, there is out there. We are constantly messaging from just about 8 a.m. before we even have kids till noon when we don't have kids, and even thereafter we are constantly in communication. If we see a kid not responding, I might send a message to her, hey, so-and-so isn't responding, can you pull them? Or or vice versa. We are constantly um, on that team's, on that team's, when we're in parallel groups, uh, we ask each other how they're doing, we ask each other, how's everyone doing? Do you notice anything? She might tell me that there's crickets in her room. You know, nobody's replying or responding. I might tell her my group's doing great. Sometimes, um, and we have had to do this in the past, where we've noticed both of our groups are completely lost. And at that time, if we both are noticing the same thing, sometimes we pull them all the way back up to the main group and say, let's start over. And, and we try to kind of re- rethink things, um, that instant message. And we even do it sometimes in class because um, if we're in a whole group um, parallel or if we're in a whole group and we're chatting and I'm kind of watching the kids Um, or if I'm teaching, Gina might interject during class and say, you know, Mrs. Hartman, I'm not sure if we're quite getting this. And she adds herself into the mix. That way, if maybe I thought they were doing better than they are, we can pause for a second. And the fact that she even says we aren't getting this kind of, you know, lets the class know that it's not just that one person, it's everyone. So I think those kinds of things are how we're constantly giving each other instant feedback. When we're not face to face, it almost seems easier in this model to give instant feedback because in a brick and mortar classroom, you'd be separate somewhere in a classroom. Whereas Gina and I can talk very, very quickly, you know, within seconds with teams to let each other know how things are going.
0: I love that about uh, saying, hey, we're not getting this because not only does that give you insight into where the students are at but it also models for the kids, like, hey, if you're not getting something, it's okay to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm not getting this. It's even okay for a teacher to raise their hand and say that. So so I love that, because it's, it's a good model for the students.
3: Yeah, sometimes sometimes I'll even throw in a question, and I, like if nobody's asking a question, and, they, and I we know they're not getting it, and nobody's raising their hand to say, we're not getting this. I will ask I will be pretend I'm a student and I'll say, okay, Mrs. Hartman, you know, I know probably somebody wants to ask this question, but maybe they don't they don't have the courage to do it. So I'm going to ask this question and, and then I'll pose the question as if a student were asking it. So um that they know how they could do this without being embarrassed or, you know, um
1: feeling, you know, like they're being singled out. A perfect way to model what they can do next time when they're feeling that way love it i also really enjoyed robin how you just mentioned that actually in some aspects co-teaching in this environment is easier than co-teaching in brick and mortar because we almost never hear that all we hear are the roadblocks that teachers hit when they're co-teaching but yet you've found a wonderful way to make co-teaching you know positive and easier in the brick and mortar you two can have a very candid open conversation that the kids will never have access to which you could not do in brick and mortar because no matter how much you try to whisper to each other in brick and mortar classroom or go to the back of the room and have a quick conference someone's going to overhear but you know we're we actually have this opportunity to have open and candid conversations about what's going on who's getting it who's not getting it what we need to do and without concern about the students having you know any access to that and i'm sure um. This next question, I'm sure it happens all of the time. But can you think of a time when a learning moment happened in your classroom which would not have been possible unless you were co-teaching?
2: Um. Well, I, I will add. Um. I have some. I, I was thinking about this, and I want to add to it because um, a lot of times in parallel teaching, we are we try to be cognizant of those who are quiet but want to participate, and we don't. We know in a large group setting they don't necessarily so i think we we've been getting really good at making those groups because we've had a lot of times where um we've had our 30 plus kids split into smaller groups and it allows them the opportunity to um get on the microphone and you know really step up because they have a smaller group of students where you know in a big group of 30 they might not be as you know at ease with participating but Um, On a side note, just today, um, Gina and I had a great, a a rough co-teaching moment that turned into something great. We had a student in our last class who um, Gina pulled for writer's workshop and he was crying and he was upset and he was having a lot of anxiety and he had, you know, been something we've had in the past and Gina, while I was teaching and doing one-on-one workshops, Gina was able to be in a room with him, calm him down, relax him, get him to start his writing assignment, actually see him working because we're using um, Google Dri- Drive Docs. So she was able to see that he was effectively working. And at the end of the class, he asked if I could bring, um, so then we s- switched and I was talking to him. And at the end of class, he um, asked if Gina could come back to the class and on his own just said, thank you so much, Mrs. Mallon, for cheering me up today. I really needed that and I mean, her and I were both in tears because you know here's a kid who really needed someone that was going to give him one on one support and if we were in a co-teaching if we were not co-teaching together, that would not have been possible and and Gina was able to you know cheer this kid you know cheer this kid up, and he even said, "Now you two I've, I've kept you long enough. go eat lunch <laughs> so I mean we we got to you know smile a little bit because she made his you know she made us stay a little bit better that is.
1: Right there is what it's all for. That's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, absolutely love that. What a what a great story, and the fact that it just happened—that's—and <laughs> and you probably have stories like that from every every week at least, at least one story like that. So that's that's wonderful. Do you have any final advice you would give to other co teachers about co teaching in the cyber school?
3: I I think um, just you know. N- Maybe not just cyber school, but co teaching in general. I think the main thing that you both have to remember is that you, you know, as Robin said earlier, she was so right. um, You have to let egos go. And you have to know that your purpose there is for the students. It's not for who's doing what. It's not for counting, okay, I'm doing this much time. You're doing this much time. Um, If Robin and I, had to do that or, or were involved in even counting, you know, oh, well I'm doing this much work and she's doing that much work. I, we wouldn't be anywhere. And um, I mean, we wouldn't have the success that we do. So, you know, we not only um, went past egos and who's controlling what, but we've gone past the fact of counting, you know, who's doing what. And, and, you know, we both work hard at no matter what we're doing and, and, whether I'm doing IEP work or whether she's doing grading work or we're doing co-planning, we're both working hard and we know that our ultimate goal there is to help our students. And I think in, in remembering that and keeping that in the front of your mind all the time, you tend, I think that is helping people, helping co-teachers to remember what their, what their purpose is and to get past that you
2: know, who's controlling what. Yeah, I mean, to, to kind of go off of what Gina said, you just have to make sure that you are communicating. Um, and honesty, you have to be honest in your communication. And I think it's really important to reflect on that as well. Um, personally, on my own and with Gina, I, I think it's really important to have respect for each other. And I think it's really important to laugh and joke with each other, with the kids and everything. Gina and I laugh all the time. Whenever Gina forgets to turn on her mic, all the kids laugh because I go, Miss Malin forgot her microphone again. You know, it's just, we enjoy being together. And I think it came with time, but I think we enjoy it so much because we've allowed each other to communicate freely. If Gina needs something from me, you know, I find a way to get it to her and vice versa. I think we, like she said, with the ego, you know, if she suggests to change or doesn't think something's working, I never think that that's a negative reflection on my skill. You know, I just think it's a fresh approach. It's someone objectively looking at something through a different pair of eyes that might see something that I don't see, and I, and I have to give that up. And that's hard for some teachers who like to control everything, but it's the way the world works. You have to work together with people, and we want the kids to see that we can work together well because they're going to have to do it t- too. And I really just think, you know, the fight, my final note on that is Gina just makes me a better teacher. She makes me a better person and she just allows my job to be easier. Like my job is easier every single day because of her. And so, you know, that's, I think that's the kind of eyes you need to have on your co-teacher. They're there to make you better. And so use them that way.
1: Back at your girlfriend. We're just going to kick John out of here and have just a little girl moment because that was tear-jerking. And you guys are amazing. your are students teachers and to be able to be part of your co-teaching team and to work with you every single day. They really, really are. So Gina and Robin, we greatly appreciate your time and we wanted to thank you so much for joining us today for our podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having
1: us.
0: Yes, thank you. And that will do it for this episode of the Cyber PD Podcast. Kelly, do you want to hear some exciting news?
1: Oh, you know I'm on the edge of my seat, John.
0: The Cyber PD Podcast is now available on iTunes. Yes, in addition to CastBox, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify, the Cyber PD Podcast is on iTunes. And since it was recently added, It needs some love in the likes and comments section. So show iTunes how much you love the Cyber PD podcast by subscribing, liking, and commenting today. In our next episode, we will be discussing co-teaching in the middle school classroom. We will see you then. But until then, keep learning. Thanks for listening to the Cyber PD podcast. Tune in next time for more cyber pedagogy.